Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Banner. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, head over to yesodblocks.com where you can subscribe and join our growing Yesodblocks community as we continue to try to spread and develop and share all kinds of content along the same lines as this series. If you've been listening to this series for a while, you already know our goal is to try to illustrate how Torah is, number one, the most sophisticated and profound map of all of existence and always has been, and that a lot of the ideas that we're encountering today in the more sophisticated areas of life are have been in the Torah for thousands of years and were known to Chazal and are simply just really descriptions of how the world works. Um, and so that's really what the goal of this particular series is to try to illustrate how all of Halacha, which is usually learned uh, very intensively and is filled with lots of detail and practices are all expressions of an underlying set of principles of how existence is actually designed and how you are designed. In this episode, we're continuing with the halachos of Birchus HaTorah. We're up to, we're in Siman Mem Zayin, so that's section 47, Halacha Tet. Halacha Tet, that's the, the ninth halacha, and it says here, Yesh Omrim, Shim There's an opinion that says that if a person uh, has a break, between when they say the brachos of Birkasat Torah and their actual act of learning, ein bekach klum. That's not really a problem. Vanachon, but it's but the right thing to do is shlola hafsik beinehem, not to stop between when you say the brachos of Birkasat Torah and some actual learning of Torah. nagu, and that's why the minhag had developed lomar parshas birchas kohanim. There is a minhag to say the three psukim of Virgas Kohanim, which is Yivarecha Hashem Vishmarecha, Yerashem Panavelecha Vichuneka, Yisa Hashem Panavelecha Vyasem Lecha Shalom. You'll see that in the Sidur it says that after Birkas Torah, the first thing you say is these three psukim. Samach uh, Birkas Torah, you should say that right after you say the brachos of Birkas Torah. Here the Mishabura also mentions in Sivkatan Chafalif, that's, uh, that's Mishabura section uh, part 21. Birkas Kohanim Venagu Lomar is also another custom to say, Gamkain. It's a Mishnah, which is about uh, different different kinds of, uh, uh, I guess you could say, um, results for different kinds of mitzvot that you do, sort of how to uh, perceive their outcomes, their rewards, their their results, and you say those things also. Um, you can actually then, not only are you learning some psukim, which is the birkas kohanim, psukim we just mentioned, but you say this Mishnah and also some parts of Gemara that appear in that same section. Um, so that way you basically, after you say the brachos of Birkas HaTorah, you then say some parts of the Chumash. Uh, you say some parts of Mishnah and some parts of Gemara. So you kind of fulfill the different levels of Torah Shebech and then Torah Shebaal Peh. Torah Shebech means the Chumash here. Torah Shebaal Peh would be the Mishnah, which is basically the bullets uh, that are designed to capture the thought process of Torah Shabbat Peh, and then the Gemara is the actual spelled out thought process that was written down after people no longer were triggered to have the cascade of associated thoughts uh, with the bullets of the Mishnah, so then the actual Gemara thoughts were written out, and so that's the, and the, the Mishnah itself is the bullets that are explaining uh, the actual, the actualization, how to do what is in the Torah Shabbat You can think of Torah Shabbat as like the body uh, and the Torah Shabbat is like the mind. The body is sort of like a, a little bit more of a fixed entity, while the mind is this dynamic, energetic... Um, I mean, it's not really true to say the body is a fixed entity, but the idea is basically there's an anchor, which is what Torah Shabbat is, and the Torah Shabbat uh, is the, is the uh, dynamic, uh, constantly evolving through deeper and deeper understandings of existence uh, body of Torah that is all within, heart, within, within alignment or in alignment with the principles of the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat itself. So there's a whole 
array of principles of how the Torah Shabbat works, and and also um, what which like if you if you have an idea that violates Torah Shabbat in some area, then that means that that idea that you're that you're thinking of is not really a fully valid. Uh, uh, concept because if it violates some part of Torah Shabbat then then whatever that part is that's violating it is something which is now out of sync with the Torah Shabbat So there's a whole set of principles of how to do that. And that's basically a, a short description of what Torah Shabbat is. Um, so again, there's a lot more to talk about with that. We'll have a separate series about that on Yesod blocks. But the point for right now is that this halacha is telling us that if you say the brachos of Birchasat Torah, so then you're supposed to learn right afterwards because there should not be a hefsake, a break between when you say the brachos and when you actually do the action of learning that the brachos describe. And this is actually a broader halachic concept in the area of brachos. We discussed it a little bit in previous episodes, um, but we're going to just try to spell out exactly how this works and why this is actually a thing. Uh, why this is an issue at all. And so the the if you recall from previous episodes, or if you already know this in your own learning, so then you, you realize that we are constructed in a very specific way. And that's really the definition of the concept of Tselem Elohim, that we are constructed as an analogy to the way that all of existence is structured, where we have this uh, we are we are endless, intangible, immortal, immeasurable, irreplaceable selves. Uh, not just irreplaceable, irremovable selves, immutable. Um, that, that's the you that is looking out through your eyes. And then we have a series of layers and tools that essentially translate and transmit this self into this context in which a, in which that kind of um, material, if we call your yourself, your neshama, uh, the material of it, again, it's intangible, so there is no real material, but the idea is that whatever it is, whatever the neshama is, which again, the it's not really definable in the in the way that we tend to define things in the physical space, uh, but whatever your whatever consciousness is, whatever the neshama is, that is something which is then transmitted somehow through the layers of the body and then manifest in the world as an expression of something which is aware, which is able to make choices and actually decide which way to activate and in which path to take, which then brings into the world outcomes that would not have come otherwise. And that's exactly how the universe is also structured. Not only is you, are you in your relationship with your body structured that way that print you know that principle of you being in that relationship with your body is the basis of of all personal responsibility and personal self-creation i mean when you try to make choices in your life uh to choose which path you're on that is actually the application of your consciousness to an otherwise uh, uh setting that has its own natural principles physics and and, uh, and the universe unfolds in a certain way according to rules. But when you apply your consciousness to that system, you can actually make it impacts on the system and change the path that it would have taken. And so that's also true with the larger nature of existence, which is essentially described as uh, if we are analogous to larger existence, so then Hashem is the self that is behind all of the universe's being. And then through a series of layers and stages, Hashem basically translates himself into what we experience as existence. And that's the entire uh, process of Kabbalah, of Kabbalah the, idea, the concept of the Sfirot and the Olamot. These are essentially layers uh, of trans transmitters, filters, that allow Hashem's presence to be manifest as existence. And then there's a whole another set of filters that also allow Hashem's presence to be manifest within that very existence that he is manifest as. And so that's what you're kind of looking at, a macro system and a micro system where these filters operate on a macro scale. But then there's also, so you can think of it as like just the, if, if we think of all of the universe as one giant setting, so then you can think of it as there's macro filters that translate Hashem's presence into that setting, into the medium. 
And then Hashem also uses a set, sets of those filters in micro form to then translate aspects of himself into all of the things that populate existence on a micro level. Each individual atom, each individual person, each individual creation, each individual creature, planet, you name the thing. So there are these interlocking and overlapping uh, uh, and really a, it's almost it's a fractal structure of, of layers of these filters and these these systems in place to translate Hashem self into what we experience as existence and so and we are uh, we ourselves are actually part of that as well because underneath yourself uh, is actually there's it's, you could think of it as yourself is almost like the fingertip of an entire self that an entire it's kind of like you're the edge uh, you're the iceberg that is that is peaking above the water but underneath there is this total mountain that is a you know, mountain of ice or a larger floating object that is just buried, buried and hidden underneath the water. Uh, actually, maybe even an island is a better analogy for that, where you just see the tip, but there, an, an island is actually a mountain that is off, often it's a mountain, depending on how deep the water is at the placement of the island, um, that is the rest of the mountain is hidden because the water makes it look like there's just a little something sticking out. And so that's what we are. Ourselves, our neshama, our consciousness is an aspect of Hashem's total self, and we experience ourselves uh, as separate, but there's, a, there's a, a wall between us and Hashem, which is called the wall of Tzimtzum, where Hashem blocks us off from experiencing our true self, the rest of ourselves. And as an example, that wall was dissolved in, uh, in the story of Har Sinai, when Hashem tore open all of the Tzimtzum levels of existence and basically revealed the totality of the stack of these filters and layers and himself at the core of all of it. And our self is essentially just an extension, an expression of Hashem's self. And so with that stack, when you look at yourself, so the layers that you use to manifest yourself in a microcosmic way into the world, the way that Hashem manifests himself as and into the world through those same filters, so then you have a number of different layers in that stack. And one of them is the layer of thought, and another one is the layer of action. And what that means is that your body in its physiology and its, and its, its, its chemistry and its, and its um, activity, the things that you do with your body, so they are all extensions and, and functions of your underlying emotional states, and those are also, uh, in turn, uh, functions of your underlying thought states and mental perceptual states. And so those are the different olamos of you. Those are the different layers of your filters, and they are exactly uh, parallel to the layers that are underneath all of existence. You can think of it as your thoughts are essentially your your capacity. It's your bina. It's the it's what's called the sphera of bina, where you have the capacity to actually um, in a in a in a in a extrapolative way, you can look at reality and and understand things about it, and then and then infer and derive other understandings and build more and more structures of knowledge based on those kinds of inferences. So that's what your mind is capable of doing, and then that also can be used even when you're when you're relating to yourself or situations that you're in. And for example, if you if you infer that there's a person who is in love with you and you want to be with them, then that will create a tremendous emotional response as well. Response all all kinds of of chemical results inside of your body as a function of your thoughts and that in turn the, the thoughts that you're having are a function of your perception as that other of that other person as someone who is relevant to you as a as a life companion and so what you see in that entire structure is that you're these intangible aspects, the, the perceptions that you have and the kinds of thoughts that you think can actually impact, and they do frequently impact, uh, your body chemistry and then also the ways that you behave as a result of that body chemistry. And so that, that whole structure of interrelationships, often we think of it as, oh, well, our body just does things without our control. You know, our body, it wants things or it, uh, you know, it, it, it desires things, or this is just the way that my body was made. I have, I, I like certain kinds of things. I have certain kinds of desires that, you know, it's just the way that my body is, and I, I, that's just how I was made. Without understanding, there's actually an interconnected uh, structure of how these things work. If you actually 
like something, if you see some food that is looks desirable to you, it's not just that your body wants to eat that food and you have nothing to do with that. Uh, what, what's going on there is you have an underlying perception of that physical entity as being food that is optional for you to eat. And if you have, for example, um, you know, very often with little children, that kind of thing exists where you have a child who smells something they really want and then they have a tantrum because they, they want it, they want it, they want it. What's interesting is that you know, if, you, if, you, if you grew up Jewish and religious, then you already know that we only eat things that are kosher, which means they have to have certain kinds of certifications and only certain kinds of ingredients. And it's a whole discussion of what that is all about and what that means. And that's halachos of kashros and you know, a separate topic for right now. Then right, but, 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 the, but the point is that if you take a seven-year-old kid who grew up with that kind of system and you say and they say oh can i can you buy this food for me and you say oh that's not that's actually not kosher kids who have lived in that system for some time already know that that concept and then they have no problem with with, with saying okay when the parent says that's not kosher because things that are not kosher are not options to be consumed so what's happening there is the child has a perception of that thing as no longer being food and therefore it's not relevant to the child and therefore there is no there's no thinking about eating it and there's no emotional response of wanting it or or having a tantrum about not getting it because the perception is, is simply not there that the, that the food is even relevant and so what we see with that is that's actually true with all desires all foods all sexual desire you essentially have embedded perceptions we have embedded perceptions of things as being sexually relevant as being uh, physically relevant and then we, we, we activate thoughts about how to get those things and activate behaviors. And this is exactly what it says uh, in Parsha Shlach, where there's a, there's a very well-known line that we say it every day in Kriyachma. It says, mm-hmm. Don't start um, exploring after your heart and after your eyes. And then there the, the Medrash brings in this line that basically the, the, the eyes see and then the heart wants it. And then the hands, the body, goes and does the actions that acquire the thing. And so there's a lot to discuss there with how to, how to um, almost like short circuit that process because when we see things that look desirable, so we want them and then we try to get them. But there's a way to actually understand the total stack of, your, of yourself to, to make sure that you want the things that are worth wanting and you want what is and you, you don't just develop perceptions that are skewed from reality. And that is exactly what this whole halacha is, ultimately this concept of hefsake. Again, a classic example of a very technical um, halacha concept where we have brachos that we say and then let's say you say a bracha on an apple, you're not supposed to make a break between when you say the bracha and then actually eat the apple. And the reason is because the way that the that if you think about the elements that are at play there, well, there's the perception of the apple as food. Uh, there's the act, well, even deeper than that, there's the activation of the of the will and the wanting to actually eat something. There's a perception of the apple as relevant food. There is then the thought process that is embedded in the bracha. When you say the bracha language, it creates a cascade of thoughts about the apple and its relationship to existence. All the people that were involved in bringing that apple to you and and the process of its growth physically in the world as a function of Hashem's life force that is pumping uh, energy into all of existence all the time. It's a manifest being. And the, the connection between the apple and that all that larger context, and then there's the the uh, the emotional conviction, the emotional. Again, it's not like you're getting so excited about eating apples, but people who are about to eat, they they want to eat, they like to eat, they enjoy the experience of eating, and they pick things to eat that they want. And so that's more, that's the 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 emotional and the, and the sensual aspect of the experience, which is already getting into the physiology of the body too, where the body gets excited too about it. And then you actually go and you do the action that expresses all of that. And so when you break that, when you do the thought process, and then there's a break, a pause between the thought process and the the actualization. What you're doing. Is 
is you're basically you're you're adding interference to the to the stack of your being. Now, why is that a problem? Why is that something which we don't want to do? Well, the reason is because we're not just doing brachos like this, like for fun. The problem that we have is that we actually are disintegrated beings. We often have desires. We have physical. Our body often has physical responses as a result of very deeply embedded perceptions that we don't even realize we have. So we'll see something which looks desirable to us, not even knowing why we desire it. Very often, it can come from a whole array of underlying perceptions. Our thoughts often just go off in their own way, their own path, and when we daydream about all kinds of things that are all so usually directed by our embedded, often uh, child-imprinted perceptions that we uh, allowed into our minds but when we were too young to filter out things that were false, um, which is, again, all this is the Itzadah, Tobarah. It basically creates a situation where you uh, develop perceptions that are simply um, a function of, of, of your habits, a function of your preferences, and then a function of actual understanding of existence. And so you can also enter into chaotic emotional states in exactly the same way because you can basically be, you know, experience something which you experienced when you were seven. You can experience it when you're 37, and then you can have an intense emotional response because instead of you actually accessing the perception of reality in your more exp expanded and developed uh, level that you're at now, you can instead have some childish perception from when you're five uh, suddenly activate, which is why people often behave in either irrational or immature ways uh, that they behaved in when they were five years old, when they're 35 years old, because they in certain ways haven't been able to update pockets of software in their perceptual lens, the perceptual landscape. And so you basically the idea of brachos and really a lot of these concepts in, in, in tefillah and, and the mind work that we do and the, the emotional work that we do, which the Torah is very, very largely about mind and emotional work, even though unfortunately it's not often taught that way, um, is that there's, I mean, the whole concept of tikkun amidos is basically emotional work, in case anybody was curious about that. Um, but the idea is to, to, to integrate all these things, to try to bring everything into harmony. And it's kind of like if you have pockets of, of ideas in your mind that are, that are dysfunctional or that are counterproductive, I mean, there's a whole area of psychology today about this issue where people have these scripts of how they developed themselves when they were younger that they're now applying in contexts where they don't really make sense to apply. You know, if you, if you have a conflict with your boss, and you get very angry because that's how you always deal with kind, these kinds of conflicts, but your boss is not the same type of person as you, then maybe that's going to be very counterproductive and damage your relationship and make, your, make you lose a job that if you didn't have that script, maybe you could have figured out a more productive way of solving the conflict. And there's so many examples, I mean, in marriages and relations between parents and children where parents begin to feel threatened by their children because on an ego level and they start to attack their children. I mean, there's just really an endless amount of the misapplication of scripts from the past. And so the only way to heal that problem is to do this kind of work where you basically go into your mind again and again and again and bring it into a place of truth and integrated clarity. And you might say, well, I don't really think, I don't see how connecting an apple, you know, to um, to to Hashem through the process of a bracha on on, that, on an apple is really helping me do that, you know. And so what 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 difference does it make if there's a hefsake there and I don't really do the connection that well? And the answer to that is that there is no price that you can put on adding truth into your mind. All all install installments of truth into your mind. It's kind of like if you have a problem with anger and you and you focus on how Hashem created the food that you eat every day, that will impact your problem with anger because the more you install true perspectives, it creates ripple effects throughout your mind. We don't realize how deep, and we, you could realize if you spend time doing the work on this too, but we generally don't realize how deeply our, our false paradigms are interlinked. In other words, often people are angry about lots of things and they say it's independent, but in fact underneath they're actually just dissatisfied with the way that 
their life is going, and that's actually an anger that's directed at Hashem. And so if you fix that, if you start to see who Hashem is more clearly in your life, that can actually undermine your very perception of why you are angry. So that's true with all these things, and it's even more true with Torah, because if you can't connect your Torah learning to Hashem, well, then you're actually undermining a profound tool that's at your disposal, using Torah, as we've discussed, to actually develop clarity of perceptions and undo the Eitz Das damage and have Das Emes V'Sheker and actually begin to see yourself as you are and then to develop yourself accordingly and then to see others as they are and, and help them develop themselves and then develop the world accordingly. I mean, these are like, these are really, really uh, powerful tools and you can't really do them if they're tainted from their very beginning because you don't see Torah as an extension of Hashem's self. There's no way to use Torah pro- properly and powerfully if you think Torah is just a random set of ideas that is that is not coming from the root of consciousness because part of Torah is that very concept and it's it's by far the most activating principle which is why it's literally the first of the of the of the things that Hashem says at the Mass Nevuah at Har Sinai. He's like I'm I'm the beginning and I, of all of these things. I'm the root of all and here see me as I am so you understand the context of your environment and that is essentially why these hefsakes are actually a really big problem again does it doesn't mean that you know if you if you make a hefsake between a bracha and an action that the world's going to end no but in a certain way you're now in you're adding interference to your own construction which actually causes damage to you and it's it's something which needs to be understood not as a technical idea alone it's just well we have a halakhic concept of hefsake and that's it and that's a problem you have to understand that this is something which you should be living and embodying to a very great degree to actually capture its true power and helping you activate your in the most integrated and, and effective and true and deep and real and authentic way. So hopefully that was clear and you enjoyed that and uh, we'll continue with the next halacha next episode. Thanks again for tuning in and please join us at yesodblocks.com and support what we're doing here and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.